Amen. Man, this is the first time I've been up here by myself on a Sunday. Go, go ahead and turn to Luke 15. And this isn't my word for today, but this is what God was doing during church this morning. And he's pointing out some things to us. A lot of us have been in Luke 15 a lot. And there's a couple reasons for that. We're going to read it this morning. Juan, how many have you been blessed by returning back to that identity that Christ has always called you to? A lot of times we become blind in the fact that he's called us to be whole. He's called us to, to walk not in the counsel of the wicked, but walk in the light of his presence. Walking in his presence each day does so much for us. Are you on Luke 15? This is what the Lord was doing this morning. He, this is the parable of the two lost sons. We keep reading this over and over again, but for those who haven't, listen in. It says, Jesus continued, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of my estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and then he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen, uh, to a citizen of that country who had sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed for the, in his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one came and gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food, food to spare? And here I am starving to death. What God's showing us today and what God's doing amongst our body right now is he's, he's allowing his sons to come to their senses. To realize that they were never meant to be in the pig's pen in the first place. We're going to save the rest of this and you can go read it on your own time. But where this story ends up is that, hey, I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'll be one of his servants. But on the way there, his father didn't even allow him to come and say, Hey, Dad, can I be your servant? He's automatically called him son in that moment. Because his son dropped everything that he had and realized that he was hungry and starving. And what was the thing that brought him back? He knew that even his father's servants had food for him. But was it, who was it that really met him? It was his father. And what did he do? He gave them a ring. He gave him a ring and a robe. He killed the fattened calf and he threw a celebration. And then we see the second son. He's jealous. Because the entire time, he's been wanting a goat from his dad. Whenever he probably could have just asked his father for it. That was what the father's response was. It's like, son, you've been with me all this time. Right now, we're celebrating your son or uh, your brother. How many times have we worked to get our father's attention whenever his attention's on us the entire time? And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. So the message that uh, the Lord wants to give today, it's called fruit not worth eating. Hebrews 13, 7 through 8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't that important to know? He is, was the same in the beginning and he stands the same in the end. It's a beautiful thing because that means his judgments are the same. And that means that Jesus Christ, whenever he sees you, he thinks the same way about you, regardless of whatever place you are at in that moment. 
And what I mean by that is that he has right judgment. Whenever we're wicked and we are in our ways, he is, uh, he is not going to swing the emotional pendulum on us. Isn't it beautiful to know that there's a God that can give right judgment? That even in our weakness and stupidity, though we de de deserve to die, Jesus paid the due penalty so that we might have life, so that we might be redeemed to the Father. Come on, how many times do we forget the gospel? Let's turn to John 9 this morning. Say there when you are there. Man, y'all ready for a good word this morning? It's because the word is always good. That's where we're at right now. It's the word of God. That's all I got. All right, John 9, verse 1. says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is Jesus. Neither this man, oh, I'm sorry. My notes are wrong. I'm going to turn to John 9 with y'all and read it. You guys there? I think it skipped to verse 3. All right. It says, as he went along, he saw a, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Come on, how many times have we seen somebody blind and we say, I wonder what that dude did to be that way? I wonder what the heck he did in order to be blind since birth. Or better yet, the disciples were like, dude, what did his parents do? Let's keep reading. Jesus' response is, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And what does he call you? The light of the world. It's a beautiful thing that when you begin to hang around your dad, after a while you become just like him. In all the good ways. In a time where we as a church are speaking about our position in Christ, it has really challenged us to consider what, what that means for our condition. So our position in Christ, what does it mean for our condition in Christ? Our knee-jerk response in, is one similar to the disciples. At least it was for me. When I read this, I was like, dang, that's me. Whose fault is it that this man is like this? Whenever we see spiritual blindness, actual blindness, any informities, we go and blame something else. Which was an evidence that human effort, it's an evidence in me, it's an evidence in everyone, that human effort or our our earthly perspective will always be able to point out the obvious, but will never be able to produce a solution for the blind man. We'll always be able to see the problem, but we'll never be able to present the answer because the scripture talks about if you think like the world thinks, you won't be able to see by the spirit. And he's always required his sons and daughters to see by the spirit. So what I'm trying to point out to you this morning is that Jesus' response in this moment was right. It's because I want the, the God's work 
to be completed in him. And so whenever we see somebody spiritually blind, we don't become anxious and throw a bunch of random answers to it. We say, come and look at the Father who can clear your blindness. This has to be our response. And though the disciple's response might have been wrong in that moment, what was Jesus simply did? He just corrected them, and it was okay. It's okay for God to correct you. It's actually like oil upon our head. It's a beautiful thing. Romans 8, 12 17. Come on, who wants eyes to see this morning? All blindness be healed in the name of Jesus. Y'all, in Romans 8, 12 through 17. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, don't you love how familial the kingdom of God is? We have an obligation Who wants to know their obligation? But it's not by the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will what? Die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Come on, who's walking in a crucified life today? The cool thing about it is it's not about carrying the dead body anymore. It's about forgetting what was old and pressing on to what is new. We need to let go of the things in which God is asking us to let go of. It's like carrying the sacrifice on your shoulders. I've said that many times before. It's like, it's a bloody mess. But God is giving you white robes, and we're going to read about that later on in the message. But today, you need to feel clean, and you need to feel whole. Jesus' response was to repair the blind man's original intended image. Think about that for a minute. Did God create man blind from birth? No. In the beginning, what? He made man whole. Like in Genesis, taking earth and taking some of himself. So in this story, he goes on to heal the blind man by spitting in the mud and making eyeballs and putting it in that dude's face. It says, wholeness is the intended image of God. And Jesus sacrificed to the farthest extent and effort to know that there is a way back to God's ordained image for you. That's what Jesus paid for, a way back to that place. This man goes to the pool of Shaul. It means sent. Whenever you have an encounter with Jesus, he sends you to a place like a pool and says, drink of the liver water and you'll never thirst again. And this is where he came back home. He says, he came back home whole. He didn't receive his healing until he drank. But he got, what did Jesus do for that man? He gave him the potential and he gave him the direction and the man came back home whole. And rather than you laying here blind for the rest of your life, like this man, today... It's time to see that the man that you can cure your blindness. Come on, church. Do we seek to blame everyone else or even ourselves for our condition when your condition is the very thing that God sought out to save you from? So that the works of God might be displayed in him, John 9 says. Why the eyes? Because if you can begin to see 
rightly about him, then you'll be able to see rightly about yourself. And whenever you look into the perfect mirror, which is the word, you won't just see your condition, but you'll see the one who stands with you. We can't measure up to it, but in him we can. When you look into the mirror, if you see ugly, uh, ugly old self, you need to look at the beautiful one who stands with you and makes you beautiful. You're not alone, church. Are you ready to see rightly this morning? Today's message, like I said before, is titled, Fruit Not Worth Eating. And there's a ton of fruit that's not worth eating. And it's making some of us sick. Let's turn to Genesis 1. And I'm going to show you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Genesis 1, 27. You guys there? So God created mankind in his what? Own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he was created. He created them. When was this? The beginning. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with it. With seed in it. They will be your food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Check this out, 31. God saw all that he had made, and he said it was very good. From the start, we were made into his image. From the beginning, it was good. You know what it says here in Genesis 2, 1 through 3? Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all the vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he what? He rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all work of creating that he had done. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God can just make something holy. God did not see creation complete until you were there. So Genesis 2 saying, after mankind entered into creation, what did God enter into? Rest. Come on, who needs some rest in this place? Rest is found standing within the presence of your maker. He did not rest until the work was completed and he saw that his work was completed by adding you to this creation that he made. Later we see Adam was given a helper Eve to help him fulfill the very task in which Adam could not fulfill on his own. Come on, married men. Who loves their Ezers or their Eves in this place? Much like this, men who can relate. Much like this, 
We have to come to the revelation that apart from the original established covenant with Yahweh, we can do nothing apart from him. Adam couldn't do it. He couldn't be fruitful and multiply until Eve came around the corner. And then whenever he did, he said, Lord, what you told me makes sense. And whenever we begin to read the word and we're in covenant with Yahweh, God, the things begin to make sense. You know when it doesn't make sense is when you don't have a partner to do it. But Jesus said it clearly, I leave you with an advocate, advocate, the Holy Spirit, the helper, so that you might fulfill what? The great commission in which I called you to. My goal for us this morning is to enter into that rest that God is intended to take part, that we are intended to take part in. That's the goal, rest, wholeness, making all other lies disappear so that you actually can see him rightly and see yourself rightly so that you'll be able to move in the right direction. Are you ready for this this morning? All right, our message is starting in Genesis 3, 1. After all that was talked about, here is Adam and Eve in the garden right now. I just want to give a shout out to Avery. Avery was with me on Friday night or Thursday night, one of these nights this week. (laughs) And uh, we got, we were digging in the word and he helped me. How beautiful is when you have brothers that can help you. You know why he helped me? It's not just because Avery's awesome. It's because Avery's filled with the spirit of God. All right, Genesis 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. When craftiness shows up in the garden, it's a voice that says, did God really say? Did God really tell you that? Did God really say that? Because if he can get you to reconsider your position in the covenant, it will leave you to believing all sorts of other things about yourself. It will. We'll see it right here, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. That's which God made to nourish mankind. But God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die. Okay. Said, said the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wait. Let's remember this together. Is not mankind already like God in this moment? Is not. We were created from his image from the beginning. And what is the craftiness of a serpent says? He says, hey, and maybe then you could be like God. So some of the things that he was saying was true. Yeah, God said it from the beginning. If you eat it, you'll die. He got that right. But what did he not get right? By saying that if you eat it, you'll become like God. This caused Eve in this moment to forget her position that she was made in the image of God. So what was the serpent really proposing here? What is proposed is that there is even more to be known about God. And if you knew 
all, then you would truly become like him. Just know everything. And then maybe you'll be like him. Come on, church. How many times have we considered if I just knew more, then maybe then I could finally find my way to his throne. I just need to know more. If I just knew more about him. If only I knew more, then maybe I could stand before him. The problem with that is that you spend your entire life trying to be perfect like God so that you can stand before a perfect God. But from the beginning, he called you his own image. If I can only have the knowledge and the wisdom, then it would qualify me to stand in perfect harmony with my maker. So you spend your entire life looking to scriptures to find life, but life is found in him. The scriptures testify to him. But no, we must see to the fruit so that we know of good and evil. Verse 6. Let me just say this, too. What did it really do? It unleashed curiosity in man to reconsider the things already been given which leads to wandering from the original identity God has already weaved into you. It's a vain pursuit. It's a vain pursuit. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for what? Gaining wisdom. She took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were what? Naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It's, a, it's insane that just a few verses ago, Eve considered rightly that if she ate the, root, uh, ate the fruit, that she would die. She considered rightly. But with just a little bit of reconsidering of the covenant with Yahweh, her maker, led her to now believe that the thing that would kill her could become the very thing that saves her. The thing that would kill her, she thought would save her. Church, we cannot reconsider what God has already called good. It is a vain pursuit, and it is stealing your rest. You're not, be, you're not able to rest in the presence of God because you just feel ashamed all the time. This is what it leads to. Walking of, of the original intended covering leads to man believing that they are now responsible for covering themselves. This is what I see in us this morning. In the beginning, there was always temptation within union with God. That knowledge is more, uh, that more knowledge can save us. From the beginning, there's temptation that in your union with God, that knowledge, more knowledge of him is what's going to save you. It's a vain pursuit. This is the very origins of the religious spirit, by the way, which we've been talking about for the last few weeks. It literally chokes out the seed that's been planted in us. Religion says the answer is to know of more. Of more. And do better is the pursuit to be like God. To know of more and to do better. I'm just going to do better as a pursuit to be like God. But the problem is, is if we cannot truly know someone, 
We cannot truly know somebody about reading about somebody in a book. You can't know somebody by doing that. It's insane. So let me go get to know the Lord. I'm going to go read about him. Whenever he's giving you his spirit, and you can actually experience him. We intimately know someone the moment that we begin to spend time with them. This is experiential. You know, when Jamie and I really began, you want to know when we really began to know each other? It was the moment that Jamie could see my shortcomings and I stopped hiding them from her. And she was actually able to see my nakedness. Funny thing is, is because God grants that supernatural discernment in your wives and your helpers, how much more can God, you don't really have to, you can't hide. You can't hide. He sees it. So how weird is it that we try to hide? Jamie's response to my nakedness was not to turn her face from me, by the way. But in this context, as my good easer, she draws closer to me and says, let me help you, my beloved. God's one requirement for mankind is this, trust me. Because you know what we're not good at doing? Loving him. And it's not required, by the way. Trust is required. And then his love teaches you how to love him. So when you're sitting here anxious and you're like, I don't know, man, I love my flesh more than him. Well, good, you get the choice. Be, trust in him and he'll work it out. Stop being so fearful that you're supposed to be madly in love with the man. I'm sorry, but obedience and trust, sometimes it has to come first. And he'll teach you the rest. You know why? Because 1 John 4, 16 says this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like who? Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one whose fears is not made perfect in love. And today, church, God's desire is for you to not fear him anymore but rather love him enough for his love to drive out the fear. Our responsibility is trusting in the love of God. That's it. Just trusting in it. And when we do, he will send the serpent running. Come on, let's go to Genesis 3, verse 7. Let's continue to read. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. To what? And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The moment nakedness, listen to this. The moment nakedness became shameful was the moment we were enticed by other men's craftiness. Innocence or blamelessness, holiness was always reserved for one. There was nothing wrong with them being naked originally. 
whenever they were, nakedness was reserved for one. What this produced in mankind was an awareness of nakedness or innocence that he never intended to denote shame. That was never God's intention. When God gave mankind everything needed in union with him, mankind wandered into a place of decision. Here's the, here's the, here's the decision. Be innocent walking with God like a child. Or take your eyes off your father and become like one who's his own sustainer. Be like a child or become somebody that just takes care of himself all the time and doesn't need his father anymore. Let's go to Matthew 18 together. What God intended to be holiness, blamelessness, purity became shame whenever you walk out, the, out of the original covenant that that purity, holiness, innocence was always made for. Matthew 18, verse 1. Say there when you are there. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is greater than the kingdom in the kingdom of heaven? I bet they're really all getting excited about all the cool things they did this week when they asked him this. <laughs> he called to a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a little ch children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. As children to the Father, is this covering sufficient? Or in our human nature, do we feel like we must become equal to him in order to stand in front of him? Like I said before, I don't believe this was ever Eve's intention, but it shows that innocence without covering leads to deception. That's what it shows. That the innocence that God always required us to have, if it's not guarded by the Father, leads to deception. Because somebody's going to come in this world, somebody's going to come tell you something that sounds good to the ears, and it's a trap. Faith like children is required from the beginning, but the moment innocence is taken from misplaced curiosity out of God, given perimeters, leads one's heart to fear of punishment from the one who placed the boundary lines. When you feel like you walk outside of the boundary that God intended for you, what are you in fear of? Punishment. And what does punishment do? Leads you to hiding. And then what does hiding lead you to do? Death. Scrambling, anxiety. Let me go find a tree to try to cover my nakedness. And that's God, it's not God's intention here. Psalm 16, 4 through 8 says, Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. It's a promise. If we're not running after him, we're running after ultimately other gods. And what will happen, we'll get bored with the first god that we came in an encounter with. We'll throw it away and we'll go try to find something different. Keeps going here in verse 4. 
I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You alone, you make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on what? The Lord. I keep my eyes on the Lord. With him, my right hand. I will not be shaken. You know what cures shaky hands? It's Lord. You know what clears uh, feet that are afraid to move? It's the Lord. But what does our eyes have to do? Remain on him. Because if you do, like Proverbs 7 describes, you'll find a woman who wants to tell you everything you want to hear. And then ultimately you'll be ended up in a place called Sheol. Come on, the Lord has everything for you. Again, church, the moment nakedness became shameful was the moment we were enticed by other men's craftiness. The serpent said everything that that Eve wanted to hear. Come on, if if somebody came to you and told you everything that you wanted to hear, would you fall to it? Be honest with yourself. It only leads to death. The place God has planted you is good. And there's absolutely nothing else that you need to go searching for. Nothing. Just to be present before him allows him to perfect his love and you. Do you believe that? Philippians 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this. Who needs some confidence? That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, it's cool. Like I said earlier, he's the Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning and the end. And he actually is the beginning and the end. But you're not. Where you stand today is not your end. So stop being anxious about it. Be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Let's move back to Genesis. 3 verse 8. Says verse 8, Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. And what was the response? Walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We approach God's word in fear. That's true about everybody. We approach God's word in fear that we won't measure up to it. When it always meant to point you to the one who can make you measure up to him. If in the last two months you have approached God's word in fear, it's time today to put your eyes back on the one who made you in the beginning, who can make you to understand the word. Let me make something clear. The word is the standard. The word is everything. You know what Jesus calls himself, though? The living word. 
The moment the word becomes alive and to you and in you is when you start work, walking with Jesus. The word is the standard. And you know what the word's good for too? Is whenever you feel blind. It's a guide back to him. Some of you need to return back to your attended covering this morning. And stop believing the lie that you are required to cover your own shame. I see it all the time. Everybody's coming in here. Oh, God, I need to cover my shame this morning because I didn't get my word all week. So that whenever worship begins, maybe I don't feel so shameful anymore. Whenever he's been your covering all along. That's some of you. Others, it might look differently. Maybe it looks like just acting like everything's cool all the time. When it's not. You don't fake it till you make it. You don't. You walk to him, and he'll heal your heart in that moment. His perfect love casts out all fear. And fear has to do with punishment. If we could just get the fear out of you guys, then you would start walking to him excited to see his correction for you. You know what's a gift? The life and the breath in your lungs today. That shows you the mercy of God. Do you, does he want the life and the breath that you, he's breathing to, to you be wasted on days of worrying? Worry does not add a single hour to your life. Church, we said all these things. We've seen all these things throughout Genesis, but the encouragement to you is that the story's not over yet. Our response to shame is to hide, and his response to shame is to cover. Let's read it in Genesis 3, verse 20. Our human response to shame is to hide, and his response to shame is to cover. Verse 20. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Wow. What a name for somebody that just screwed up so much. That just screwed the entire world. What a name. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God came to man's shame and covered them. It's man's attempt to hide. But it's only an attempt you can't hide. In our attempt to hide, God came walking to Adam and Eve in this instance to restore. Restore what? The intended image. Let me be your covering. After the fall, it looked a little different, but nonetheless, they're covered. You're covered today. And you know what it says in Revelation? That we'll be given new garments. And that things will be all new again. In the end, Adam names his Ezer Eve. And God entrusts her with the beautiful title, Mother of the Living. Let me remind you, no good thing can come outside of him who has formed you. And the Lord says, today, rest. 
The Lord says today, rest. Chuck, the Lord says today, rest. Return to the intended image. Dylan Tikal, today the Lord says, rest. Return to the intended image. Landon, the Lord says, rest. Avery, the Lord says, rest. Dylan Hutchinson, the Lord says, rest. Because I've already clothed you. What is a more impactful message? Look at my nakedness. What if that was all you had? Look at my shame. Woe is me. Or look to the one who can cover my shame. Whenever you want to go evangelize, you probably don't do it most of the time because you feel ashamed. But you get to go testify that. Look to the one who's covered my shame. Don't look at me. Be proud of what God's doing in your life. Man's attempt to cover their own shame led to hiding from God. Just wanted to make things right. And hiding, before they were hiding, they were just trying to be perfect. That's not the answer. He made a sacrifice. That became their covering. It cost something. And ultimately it cost him his son in order to purchase you. Was what Jesus did on the cross enough for you? Then like the son, you need to wake up this morning. You need to wake up this morning. You were not meant to eat the food of the pigs. You were meant to sit at the table with your father. What's a better message? I'm naked and I'm shameful. You think that pleases the Lord? We do. We do think that. No, the message that needs to be on our, written on our hearts is look at the one who's covered my shame. Look at the one who took me back. And counted all righteousness ours by the blood of the Lamb. Let's go to Psalms 103, verse 13. Let this word pierce you this morning. If this word, and that's, it's not because I'm preaching it, by the way. If this word is not moving your heart, it means that you're blind. And you need to return to the intended image that God's always required you to be. And. Say there when you're there. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And it place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. If we could just remain in his love, then our life would be a life worth living. And his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. 
man, if we just got serious about covenant, we got serious about the covenant that he paid for, the covenant that we enter in with Christ. Me and my wife were talking this week, and I almost put it in the word, but now actually it is in the word. I'm going to tell you what we talked about. <laughs> we looked at the word, and we saw that from the beginning, our sin did not sever us from the body. It separated us. And the cool thing is, is that the only thing we have to do is repent. It's the turning of the face. It's not going on this huge surgery process. You need to know today that if you feel separated, it's just turning your face back to him. And his face, and, and his, he's always going to put himself in front of you, by the way, like we were learning on Thursday night, because he's good to us. It's time to open up your eyes and trust in the love, even if you don't feel it right now. All right, Revelations 3, 18. We're coming close to a close. Unless Jamie wants to come up here and start preaching. Next time. Come on, are y'all, are y'all receiving something this morning? I counsel you. To buy from my gold refined in fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Wow. He's going to give us a white robe and he's going to give us something to heal our blindness. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That's exciting. So be earnest and repent. <laughs> Come on. Who's ready to repent today? I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. This is what God says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and he with me. He's been knocking on your door for a long time. It's time to open up today. John 10, 7 through 10. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There's only one way to salvation. That's Jesus. And he will go in and, and out and find pasture. The thief comes not. Uh, this, this thief does not come except to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. The same thing the serpent intended to do in the garden. I have come that you may have life. Come on, who needs life today? And that you may have it more abundantly. And this is where the message is coming to a close because then I'm going to start preaching about how God gives you more and he gives you an abundance so that you can start living for others. But we're not going to talk about this today because I need you to see rightly about him and about yourself so that you can see rightly about others. You ready to see rightly today? He's going to heal you of your blindness and he's going to heal you of your shame. And then you'll be a man who's wearing clothes intended that he always, always intended to, to walk in. And he's going to be proud of them, by the way. 
and he'll be able to see the direction that Jesus is pointing him to. This is a life of the Christian, and this is a life that makes one impactful. It's not looking at your garbage every day. He's restoring you back to the intended image. Some of you today need to be released from shame that God always intended to cover. I believe that right now. And I don't intend for this to be an altar call where you're weeping on the ground. I think this is a, I think this is a moment where your eyes are open and you're rejoicing <laughs> that you can see again. You've been grasping for air when he's filled you with breath. Breath will enter your lungs the moment you realize that apart from him, you can do nothing, by the way. I remember this. Like, I'll testify to that. When God called me to be a shepherd in his kingdom, I wasn't looking for it because I was grasping for air in the moment. And I was sitting in our bedroom with Jamie, and I'm like, I cannot do this, don't want to do this, I can never do it. You know why? Because I focused so much on my garbage rather than the original covenant he made with me. The moment that I realized that apart from him I could do nothing is when I became a good pastor. Because it was him doing it through me. Or maybe, if that implies to y'all, any of you yet, maybe some of you have eaten the fruit of let's us become like God by knowing all things. It's a vain pursuit. It'll make your brain hurt, your heart hurt, and your body hurt. I've experienced all that. Jason <laughs> has too. We talk about it a lot. We're like, dude, I feel dead right now. It's like, yeah, probably because we're trying to be perfect all the time. But his perfect love cast out fear. His perfect love cast out fear. Say perfect love. Do you want to rest today? Do you want rest for your souls today, church? Then it's time to enter into the original covenant God has always intended for you. If you feel blind, he'll make some eyeballs for you. Let's go to Luke 22 and let's stand up together. Because I think the Lord's awesome in response to those who repent. If you feel like this message was for you today and you need to repent of some things, come up to the front. We're going to pray as a church. If you need to be cured from shame, from blindness, if you feel naked at times, if you feel like you're running, just come up to the front. Or actually, let's just do this because a lot of people still have fear in them. Lift up your hands. This is for me. This is for me and it's for you. Lord, your word says that when one comes back into the sheep pen, heaven rejoices. <laughs> Lord, if, we're, if we've been lost, if we've been blind, give sight today. Cover our shame. Cover our shame. I can't cover it myself anymore. Can you say that with me? I can't cover it myself anymore. I can say that. I want to return back to the intended covenant you have for me. I want, to, I want to feel the peace that surrounds me, Lord. Lord, because I know in my wickedness, I can do nothing. But in you, I can do great things.
Lord God, give this church confidence today. Give this church confidence today, Lord, that they might glean on your face and see you again for the first time. Lord, like in the cool of the day, like Enoch, we just want to walk. We just want to walk. Lord God, to do what only you can do in the, in the hearts of this church today. Lord, I'm asking that they go out in freedom and celebration that their father has covered their shame. And that they would never return to it like a dog. Returning to its vomit. We were made for more, Lord. Lord God, so we rejoice in the heavens today, Lord God, that you are good. Lord, in your perfect love, cast out fear. We give thanks to you, Lord God. I'm asking that peace come back into marriages this week. Lord God, that right order would come back into those in their relationship, Lord God. That they would never be afraid again for just, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to screw it up bad today. Lord, let that be gone today. Lord God, when we look at each other as brothers, that we don't talk about carnal things. And it wouldn't be hard for each other to look in the eyes anymore, Lord God. But instead, we see you in them. So therefore, we look intently. Lord God, we give thanks. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for your body of Christ. And we say, this is all yours. Amen. Good word. Amen. Before we release you, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, actually fits perfectly with this, in case you didn't know. For you have heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you might be sons, that you might be sons of your Father in heaven. In Hebrew, that's bar, that means like your father. When you're like your father, your son. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Come on. If you love those who love you, what reward are you getting? What reward is that? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not, be the, do not even the pagans do that. So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You say, how does that perfectly fit? That Greek word is teleos. It means in your mentality, in your maturity, in all that you are, be complete. That word, translated rightly, means be complete. In the way you see things, the way you feel about things, and the way that you act about them. Be completely whole in all that you do like your father is complete in all that he does. God's raising a healthy church here, buddy. everybody. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to heal every aspect of your life, your mind, your will, your emotions. And because of that, you're going to be full of joy Amen. and full of life and full of faithfulness until the end. Amen. Mighty God, we love you and we thank you for this word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, you're going to live together forever. Go to lunch with somebody. Get their numbers and have dinner this, this week. Amen? Amen.